0: Welcome back to the Sitting Pretty podcast. This is your host Kendall K. And Cassie baby. We have a little birthday episode for you today because it's actually the midpoint between Cassie's birthday and my birthday. Our birthdays are fairly close to each other, so we thought it would be fun to do a little a little episode to celebrate our 27th birthday and share 25 lessons we've learned in our 20s or 27 wow i i forget how old we are sometimes 27 things we learned by age 27 and we've definitely learned a lot i mean 27 is like pretty old we're kind of getting up there like we're almost 30 no it's scary i don't really like it
1: it's giving mature and needs to have their life together it's not really how i feel
0: what what age do you stop kind of like saying what year you're turning. I think this is the year you kind of stop telling people how old you are. Definitely start feeling
1: the need to lie about my age. It's a good thing that I look like a child, though, because I often pass for 18, 19, and 21. So, But not 20? Like I actually get told I look
0: 10 years younger than I am. So, yes,
1: the other day I got with no makeup on, I look 17.
0: You do look really young. And in my mind, you perpetually i don't know if that's the right word you perpetually look 18 because that's how old you were when i met you like to me you look the exact same i know you don't but to me you're just always gonna look 18 do you think i look different than i did in college no i think you look the exact same my mind just like freezes people in time for some reason it's kind of weird maybe everyone's like that i would not say the same thing about you like
1: you you actually looked like a child in college like, in the sweetest, most innocent way. Like, you had the most adorable baby face in college that you definitely, like, grew out of.
0: Yeah, I lost a lot of weight in my face, I think. You just had, like, the sweetest little cheeks. I had so much baby fat, yeah. Like, I had, like, a chubby face. Yeah, you just
1: looked really, really innocent. And it was before, like, when I met you, I feel like you never wore any makeup like you had so many freckles you were just so innocent when I met you it's actually so funny because when I met you you were truly like very innocent like your
0: first drink of alcohol was like with me like when you met me I had I was a virgin I was a virgin I had never drank obviously I like I hadn't blown up on Instagram at all or anything
1: I've seen the full transition of you you were just the most wholesome like San Diego like beach girl that like was a cheerleader, sweet and reserved. I've really seen you grow up, which sounds like so weird to say
0: to your friend. Okay, so we're 27. We met when we were 18. So we've almost been friends for a decade. Which is really cool. But I've seen you change so much. Yeah. That's
1: the best part about being friends with someone for so long. You see them through like their different eras of
0: life. But I'm excited for you to turn 27 and be the same age as me. You? I'm not excited. That sounds gross. I'm just going to say our audience is like aged like 25 to 35 mostly. So I don't think we can really say that. There's many 27-year-olds who listen to this podcast. So I actually like that our audience is the same age as us because if they were like younger than us, it would make me feel old. So I'm glad that everyone's kind of in the same age group.
1: I've seen so many hot teenagers here, like actual teenagers, like here with their families. And it's threatening. I'm not kidding. I'm like, where did you girls come from? Like, what? This new generation is honestly intimidating.
0: When you were a teenager and you would look at pe- like women who were in their thirties, you'd be like, "Oh, those older women—they don't like don't get it." You know, that's like us now. That's definitely us now. It's so sad. Um, but also, I feel like as you get older, you become more of your—you become more yourself. Like when you're at that age, when you're a teenager you don't even know who you are you don't know what you what you like like i was i was wearing stuff that just like wasn't me and like you just basically follow every trend that you possibly can to try to fit in yeah you do things for the approval of your friends and nowadays it's like we just get to like be whoever we want and be more authentic so it's good and then you also really learn more about life and how you operate you just become better with age.
1: I get why people always say like growing up is not as bad as you like would perceive it to be because you become like happier in different ways. I have feelings of like being so fraudulent as like a college student to myself and to other people. Like, always putting on a front. You definitely find yourself, in, I would say, in your mid to late 20s for sure.
0: I also feel like in your 30s you like really find yourself... Yeah, you become way more stable in who you are. Lots of growth going on here. Hopefully everyone can relate. (laughs) I don't even know if it's growth. It's just kind of chaos, honestly. Yeah, what has this last year been? I don't even know. What is going on? 26 rocked
1: my world. So I have very high expectations for 27. It's looking pretty great so far.
0: Yeah, I think 27 will be great for both of us. 26 rocked both of our lives. After a good rock is a good smooth sailing, right?
1: Love the metaphor.
0: Shall we get into 27 things we learned by age 27? Let's hear it. What's your first one? My first one, honestly, we started this list like months ago and have just been adding, slowly adding things as we think of them. But the first thing I have is being generous will return to you in unexpected ways. That's how it's like best to give without seeking anything in return. Especially without expecting anything specific in return. Because if you believe in karma, you know that as much as you give out into the world, you will receive that same energy back. And it's not going to be in anything specific. Okay, a strong tip I have that is definitely
1: relevant to my 27th year because I learned this in my most recent year is that it's important to love being alone. Otherwise, you will tolerate mistreatment from others. If you don't love being alone and you are constantly seeking companionship or a relationship or comfort by being around other people, you will tolerate mistreatment because you prioritize that over loving yourself. And like I said, this could go for platonic friendships, or it could go for serious relationships. I most recently learned this lesson in a serious relationship, and I think if I had had more self-respect and self-love, I would have prioritized that. But at the time, I didn't know how to be alone, and I didn't know how to love being alone, and so I tolerated a lot of mistreatment from another person because I was scared of being alone. And so this last year has taught me how important it is to be happy by yourself and comfortable
0: being alone. Another thing that I've learned in my life is all hard things have an equally positive benefit to them. And this, I don't know if this is more of a belief or a lesson. It's either a belief that I've cultivated for myself or a lesson I've learned because it's not like a universal truth but I believe that kind of like the yin and yang of things that things have as much positive to them as they do have negative so if you do things that are really hard and that give you delayed gratification that delayed gratification is going to be equally as positive as how negative the hardship was to get you there for example like our liver cleanse I think I thought of this when we were on our liver cleanse. Like that was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. It was a nine days raw vegan liver cleanse. We did it recently. That hardship was all for an intense detoxification of our body. And I just believe, truly believe that my body's experiencing a, as great as of a benefit as it was hard. For example, you do like choose to do 75 hard, which I know a lot of people probably just finish up for like the New Year's. Um, maybe not our soft girl audience, but you know, so a lot of people are into the 75 hard. But people do that for the equally positive benefit they get from how hard it is. I'm really into delayed gratification and challenging myself because I know that it can get me to places I've never been before.
1: Slay. One that I want to share is that feelings. Need to be felt first and understood second. It's very easy to be reactive in a situation with anyone when there's a lot of emotion. Taking the time to process your feelings and feel them and understand them. Really important to do first before trying to truly understand how you feel and working through it. When you're going through something that's really challenging or scary upsetting just sitting with your feelings and being present in your feelings before trying to work through the problem is really helpful instead of trying to instantly solve something and get through and figure out how you're going to get through it a good example of this is just like the cried out method like sometimes i just need to like cry about something and just feel everything like then move on and try and figure out how
0: to move forward Lesson number five. Everything in life is temporary. Everything is borrowed. This kind of goes along with the idea of not getting attached to anything, which is obviously so hard as humans, but I think growing up, we, we get so easily attached to things or ideas and people, circumstances, and the sad truth. Anytime you go through a breakup or you lose something in life whether it's a partner or a, there's a death or something, you realize the temporary Is this a word? Temporality? No. Uh, okay. <laughs> you just learn how temporary everything is and how this life is borrowed. We're only alive for a certain amount of time, and our time here on Earth is borrowed. It's not forever. Even like material items, you think you own something, but it's – You're really just borrowing it because nothing's going to be yours forever. No one's going to be in your life forever. I mean, if you're lucky, maybe, but the only people who are in your life forever is maybe your parents. This is so morbid, but they're probably going to die before you do. Really, there's truly nothing that's forever and everything is temporary. This is like a beautiful thing and also a really sad thing. The hard but true lesson of life.
1: Something on my list that really relates to this, but some people come into your life for a moment, a weekend... A few years or stay most of your life and the lesson is that trusting that their timing in your life is pers- purposeful for whatever that time frame was and that it was meant to be this concept also helped me get through breakups and losing people if you trust that their timing in your life was meant to be for the length of time that it was it can honestly really help you process losing
0: someone Okay, this next one is definitely a belie- more of a belief than a lesson, I would say. But I believe that the finer things in life are created to be experienced and we deserve to experience them. Those who have the confidence to ask shall receive. And I don't know if those all goes together, but basically what I'm trying to say, within the world, there are so many luxuries and so many beautiful experiences that are created. Some people think that those things are only created for the top 1% and that they'll never be able to experience the finer things in life. But I choose not to believe that way. And I choose to believe that I do deserve to experience everything. It's all about having the confidence to ask for them. It sounds simpler than it is. A lot of things in life, if you truly believe to your core that you deserve to experience them and that you, will experience them, then you'll make it happen for yourself. And if you think that you're not one of the lucky ones, it's kind of like lucky girl syndrome, right? Like, remember that trend a few, like a year ago or whatever it was? If you believe that you're a lucky girl and that you deserve to have a lucky life, then you will have it. If you think that you're unlucky girl and that then you'll attract the opposite to your life. So I just choose to believe that I'm one of the lucky ones. And I think that you should too, girls. You are a lucky girl.
1: You are the physical manifestation of of that. You are living proof. I mean honestly same. I'm in Costa Rica surfing right now. So feels feels pretty luxurious to me cuz this I wanted this to happen. Honestly, the next tip that I had was that kind of goes along with this. Just to kind of keep the flow also a belief instead of a lesson, but manifestation works. And if you speak it into existence as if it's already happening, it will manifest itself. I feel like this relates to what you're mentioning because it's the idea of believing that you deserve something that's not already yours, but truly feeling it to your core. That's why manifestation is so powerful. It's definitely something I've only been practicing very recently in my life within the last year or two. And I've definitely noticed a big difference. I hope all you girls are manifesting your dream lives.
0: Lesson number nine, if you're willing to do things other people aren't, you'll have things that other people don't.
1: I really like this one. Lesson number 10, most likely it's not that deep or that serious. And I do feel the need to elaborate a little bit on this one. At the end of the day, in most situations, whatever is going on or happening or what someone said or what someone did to you is not that deep. Like it doesn't matter that much. It's not that serious. And it's more important to just move on, move forward, let go, focus on something else. Usually just doesn't matter. That can be a hard lesson to learn. This is a hard lesson to learn because... It's very easy to take things seriously, especially what other people say or how other people
0: feel. I like that one. It's really all about a having a lighthearted outlook on life, which I'm really trying to be better at. Life is just in general not that serious or that deep. And I just think you have more fun when you have that outlook. Lesson number 11. Sometimes the exact thing you need is not what you want, crave, or desire in that moment. And I think this is important because sometimes it's actually the the actual thing that you need the most is almost the opposite of what you want in that moment. And this applies to a lot of things. I think it applies to people, like toxic people, unhealthy food. I think I wrote this down because I was having like an afternoon slump and all I wanted to do was get in bed and like fall asleep. But what my body actually really needed in that moment was to go do a workout and I needed to energize myself through that. In order to find out what you really truly need, you really need to be brutally honest with yourself sometimes,
1: which is hard to do. It almost relates back to the earlier lesson you mentioned about delayed gratification, which is the opposite of feeding a craving. Okay, the next lesson. Trust that whatever plans are meant to happen will happen. If a plan falls through, something better will happen, and is meant to happen. It's hard to let go or not be frustrated when plans fall through, especially for people who are type A like me and like to have all the details worked out. It's hard to trust that something better is coming. I've noticed in life that when I just go with the flow, truly go with the flow, something is always better on the other side. Sometimes it can take a little while to see the better plan and it doesn't show up right away. I promise this is such a good lesson to learn. It feels really good to give up the control of needing or having the desire or feeling of wanting to control every situation and always knowing what's supposed to happen.
0: Okay, I think think we're on lesson number 13 now. Lesson number 13 is that the best diet is a whole foods diet. And by diet, I don't mean like fad diet. By the word diet, I mean like Food lifestyle, like the foods that you consume. There's obviously so many diets that come around, like the carnivore diet or vegan, raw vegan, gluten free, dairy free, all that. But over my 27 years, I've just come to learn that the best one you can stick to is just simply a whole foods diet, and it just doesn't get better than that. And as long as you're consuming mostly whole foods, that's going to be the best thing for you. Um, and I think it's timeless to eat that way every diet will come and go but if you just stick to whole foods you'll be
1: golden lesson number 14 maturing is accepting and understanding who you are and what you need to be happy instead of trying to fit a mold of what other people are doing and what you think you should be doing to feel and be happy it's a power powerful lesson in itself
0: Lesson number 15 is that nothing is ever the wrong choice. We just make the best decision we can based on the factors and what is in front of us at the time. I think this is something that is valuable to both Cast and I because we're both very indecisive. We're constantly reminding each other that whatever we choose is not going to be the wrong choice. Every choice you make is the right choice And I also think this mindset helps you from having any regrets in life too, because if you look back and wish you did one thing a certain way or a different way, you can't really think that way because at the time you made that decision based on what you knew at the time and what you thought would be best for you. I think it's just a good reminder, not get too caught up in making the wrong decision and also to not have any regrets in life.
1: This is another really good lesson. My lesson is there is a difference between caring about what others think and worrying about what others think. I think it's great to respect and value other people's opinions, which is caring what others think. But worrying about what others think doesn't help you reach your own happiness. It doesn't help you solve your own problems or make the best choices. This is something I I'm constantly having to remind myself and I think most people are focused more on like and worrying about what other people think based on social media are stressed about someone else's perception of them and if you're going to respect and listen to other people's opinions it should only be the opinions of those that you care about that care about you because the general public and the general population doesn't care about you and their opinions of you do not matter. To me, worrying about what other people think is more general. If you have the feeling of worrying what your friends think, then maybe they're not really your friends. And that's a really tough lesson to learn. If you're constantly asking yourself, like, what would my friends think about this? If it comes from a place of worry and not actually caring about their opinions because you respect and value what they have to say then that's just a really tough thing that you need to work through and figure out and I just think that that's a very hard lesson to to deal with it's a really good one and it'll help you eliminate a lot of stress in your life and people in your life that don't have your best interest
0: I like that one I've never heard it before
1: it's new, a new one that I've acquired.
0: Lesson number 17 is, if you never ask, the answer is always no.
1: I love this one. This is like me asking my surf coach for free lessons.
0: And most of the time, people don't get offended or weirded out if you ask something. The worst they could say is no, but likely they're going to try to accommodate you in some way, even if the answer is not yes. If you want something, it doesn't hurt to ask. I think you'll get a lot more out of life if you have that mentality.
1: Yes, it's good to be brave and find the courage to ask because that's the hard part. Okay, my next lesson, short and sweet, is that it's important to set boundaries in all areas of your life because your time and energy are precious things.
0: I love this one. Boundaries is like... It's almost like my word of the year. I know my, I said my word of the year is abundance, but the amount of boundaries that I've been setting for myself and just learning the importance of, that, of boundaries is something I honestly didn't learn until within the past year. I didn't even know what that word meant. You'd always hear people say, oh, yeah, set boundaries, this and that. I had no idea what it meant. Now I know what it means and how amazing they are and how imperative they are actually in order, in order to protect your time and energy. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Lesson number 19 is you can never be too polite. And for some reason, this is something I'm still learning. I don't know why. I don't know if it was bad parenting on my parents, but I just feel like I wasn't brought up with like the best manners. I, I feel like I have like basic manners, but I've had to learn as I grow older to constantly be more and more polite even nowadays I feel like I still have a lot to learn I want to be a lot more polite than I am it just doesn't come that naturally to me which is not very sitting pretty of me but I know I'm just learning that you can never be too polite like you could never say thank you too many times you could never have too good of manners like it's it's always better to err on the side of being polite and saying the more polite thing doing the more polite thing because the opposite of that is being rude which is honestly never the answer so I'm just trying this is something I'm working on I'm trying to be more polite it's definitely something that has to be learned for me because I think it has to be learned by everyone because obviously no one's born this like super polite child it's something that has to be taught and learned yeah you can never be too polite in every situation I think something that you're really good at Cass you're really polite
1: thank you that's such a compliment I grew up with it I think it's because my mom was in hospitality and I also think it has to do with my nature of working with kids. I think because I'm constantly in a situation where I'm a role model to other to young kids and young girls and a huge goal of my job is to like help raise kind, loving, respectful people. Manners are learned very, very early in life. All day, I'm always constantly reminding kids I nanny for to use their manners. And so I think that's a constant reminder for me when I'm trying to teach someone else something. And I also just work in prestigious families. It's part of the nature there. So it's definitely in my, it's in my blood, but it's definitely something that I do agree with you. Like it's, it's learned and it does get you very far. This etiquette is, can be seen in like, even in just the way you write to people in a message, in email or text, um, your body language. I mean, politeness comes in very many forms. It really does help and it can get you a lot of things in life. You'd be surprised by how much you can, more you can get by just asking the same question in a nicer way. It really does a lot. It's a really good lesson to learn if you if you haven't learned that
0: one yet more specifically like I need to learn how to like specific ways that I can be more polite because it's all about specifics when you're being like the more you learn about being polite it's a bunch of specifics it's the way you word things like you said body language etiquette it's all these like little things that add up and I just want to acquire more knowledge of how I can be I want to acquire more polite habits. I want to read a book on it. I want to learn more about it. Like I want to learn how to be a polite, more polite on dates and around like people who have a lot of money, for example, like are really pick up on good manners or bad manners, like you said. So I just want to have, I want to have those skills. I just, I just never want to be perceived as rude. And I just always want to present myself in the best way possible Yeah, and I think it's a very sitting pretty energy to be polite. This lesson is very metaphorical, but
1: hopefully it makes sense because it makes sense to me. Water does nothing for fake flowers. And if you think about it for just a second, it really does
0: make sense. You need to elaborate here.
1: To me, it means more so that putting your time and energy into something and pouring love and adding good things to something that's Not willing or able to receive it. It's like wasted time, wasted effort, wasted energy. This could be in, this could be with people, this could be on different areas of your life. So it's good to like recognize what's the metaphorical fake flower in your life and understand if you're pouring your time and energy into something that's not capable. Or willing to receive that that can be a hard lesson because for people who are determined or fixers or problem solvers it's it's easy to want to continue to put time and effort into something thinking that it's gonna change or get better but at the end of the day if it's a fake flower I mean it's never gonna be able to receive that very metaphorical but also has very like strong meaning behind it yeah
0: that's that's the lesson ladies. Don't pour water into fake men. <laughs> but the important thing here is identifying the fake flowers. They're very deceptive. It's a deceptive situation. Be weary
1: of deceit. <laughs> okay.
0: Lesson number 23 is to ask someone you something you think you know the answer to, even if you already know the answer to it. I say this because you'll learn something that you didn't know before. Basically, assumption, assumption leads to miscommunication. Maybe an obvious lesson, but
1: don't hold on to people, places, or things. Because change is obviously inevitable. When things go, it makes room for new things and new people and new places. That is a better way to look at
0: it. And that is exciting. There's no reason to hold on to old things if if they're not working anymore.
1: Yeah. Yes. If something is gone, let it go. If something wants to leave, let it go.
0: There's a saying kind of like that, I think. If you love it, let it go or something. Okay. Lesson number 25. I, that nothing is embarrassing or cringe. It's all in your head. It's really true. Like, all feelings of embarrassment is a feeling that you cultivate within yourself. It's not something that other people feel when they look at you doing something like if you see a girl with a tripod out in public taking photos of herself you're not gonna think "Ooh, that's cringe or embarrassing like you're gonna think like wow like she has confidence that's cool even though she probably feels inside a bit cringe and embarrassed (laughs) i think if you feel embarrassment for others or like think that someone else's
1: action is embarrassing that actually stems from and insecurity in yourself if you feel that someone else is doing something that's embarrassing but when you feel embarrassment towards yourself I mean it's definitely a lack of confidence but like you said like it's a, a feeling that's been cultivated within yourself
0: I also think it's something that you can get rid of the more that you put your the more that you do quote cringe or embarrassing things the more the less cringe or embarrassing it becomes I feel like a lot of people think posting on social media is cringe or embarrassing, especially like TikToks or like little vlogs or whatever. They would feel cringe or embarrassing posting a TikTok of themselves, for example, or talking to the camera. But the more that you do it, it obviously gets less cringe and embarrassing. Like think about creators who talk to the camera all the time and post, like, three TikToks a day. They do not feel cringe or embarrassing, I promise you. But when they first uploaded their first one, I bet you they did. So it's, like, something that can be outgrown almost. I don't know if I've sent this to you, Cass, but I saw this social media post about Cringe Mountain. Do you know what Cringe Mountain is? It's basically, like, when you first... And it's about posting on social media, but I think it can apply to anything. And it's basically that everything is cringe or embarrassing at first and you have to climb cringe mountain and it's hard work. Like You have to be consistent and post and post and post until one day it all pays off. And once, for example, like once you get followers or you get a small audience of people who actually care what you're posting, it's not cringe anymore. There's like this tipping point when things don't come cringe or embarrassing and every creator has to go through that in order to climb cringe mountain get to the other side of it and basically the metaphor is that you once you get to the top you have to slide down cringe mountain and that's like the reward and nothing is ever cringe anymore because you had to go through the hardship of posting and being awkward at first but it always it pays off i feel like i'm in this delulu mindset where i just don't feel that anything i post is cringe or embarrassing I definitely had to climb Cringe Mountain to get to that mindset. I'm really happy where I am now because I just get to create and post whatever I want and feel like zero embarrassment for it, I guess. That's such a flex, honestly. It's a great mindset to be in.
1: It's a good reminder for me. This podcast has helped me a lot with overcoming that feeling of being cringe.
0: Arguably starting
1: a podcast and talking into a mic with your friend when you have no idea who's listening could be perceived as very cringe
0: kind of felt cringe when we first sat down and started talking to the mic I think I don't feel that way at all anymore and I used to feel cringe saying that I have a podcast and now I like say it with confidence as if it's like the most successful thing ever <laughs> yes I was talking to this, this girl recently like I told you that I just met I was talking about it
1: so confidently and then I was like basically lighting up about it she asked if I wanted to If the goal was to be a full time podcaster, that's how like how much passion I had behind my story of sitting pretty.
0: I pretty much tell everyone that I podcast. So I was on a date the other night and we were obviously talking. It obviously came up that I have a podcast and I was talking about it so confidently. He goes, that's so cool because I actually have a podcast too, but mine's not nearly as big as yours. I only started it seven months ago. It's like a baby one. And I had to tell him, like, mine is also seven months old. I've just hyped it up so much. The way I talk about it makes it sound successful, even though my podcast is no older or bigger than his. That's iconic. That's a great story. So the
1: lesson is post away, girls.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but also it can be applied to like other aspects of life too. Like fashion, dressing, working out, going to the gym. It's a lesson in confidence. Lesson number 26
1: is the best reaction to someone being rude or mean to you is honestly no reaction at all. Not only will this make them feel dumb or look dumb, and it doesn't feed into their energy that they're giving you, it's just really so unnecessary to return that kind of energy, and it certainly won't make you feel better. It's kind of like taking the higher road it's honestly really fulfilling to continue to be nice to someone in a situation who continues to be so mean to you. this actually just happened to me recently in aspen i was at a concert and i bumped into this girl and i genuinely did not mean to at all she was so rude to me about it i mean i haven't had an experience like this in a while and she snapped at me pretty like harshly and just had this really angry face. And I was being so gentle and like kind. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry that happened. Like, are you okay? I didn't know if I knocked over her drink. So I asked her like if everything was okay. And she just could not give me any sort of like grace in the situation at all. I thought it was so strange. I'm like, girl, we're just girls, like, this is not, it does not need to be, like, this hostile, and I just continued to overly apologize and, like, check on her and, like, remind her that I was sorry and that it was a complete accident, and she continued to just be so rude, and I think in that moment, I could have easily, like, changed gears and just been rude back to her and, like, got an an attitude with her. Or, like, walked away from the situation, like, frustration or anger. I honestly walked away feeling like, wow, I did the best I could. I was so sweet to her. And, like, clearly she was just, like, having a rough time because she would have rather spent her energy, like, having a negative interaction than being like, oh, my gosh, girl, don't worry. I'm not a problem at all. And I just don't see why anyone wants to have, like, negative interactions. Like, there's just really no need for it. And you really will feel better. That was a recent example that happened to me. It's always weird when like
0: you can tell that people would just like prefer to be angry. To just like give it up. Like we're just just girls girls out out here. here. Okay, uh, lesson number 27 is a very specific one. And it is to add 15 to 30 minutes of what I like to call cushion room when planning to be on time to something. I think a lot of people struggle with being on time to anything and just being punctual it's something that i used to struggle with a ton believe it or not i was pretty much a mess and was always late to everything kind of chaotic with my timing rushing through traffic i had to learn this very specific trick that has helped me be early slash on time to like every single thing I do now and it's called cushion room and it's very simple you basically just add whatever your travel time is gonna be you add on you 15 to 30 minutes so if it's like something local within my city I'll add, I'll just add on 15 minutes so say so your your dentist appointment's at 1 p.m and it's a 15 minute drive most people would leave at twelve forty five for that right but that's what the late girl does. She leaves at 1245. The on-time girl actually leaves 15 minutes. So add 15 minutes onto that. Leave at 1230. Okay. And you, this actually, this cushion room actually gets gets used up quicker than you think because it takes time to pack up your car, lock up your house, get in the car. Oh, maybe you're out of gas. You gotta go, you know, you gotta go to the gas station or Maybe you take a wrong turn. Like there's so many little things that can happen to where you need. You actually need this cushion room. It's essential in order to be on time for something. Or maybe it takes 15 minutes to park, to find a parking spot. Whatever it is, I just, I like to add the 15 minutes and then I'll add the 30 minutes if I'm doing like a longer drive because I'd go up to LA a lot and it's about a two or three hour drive for me. And so whatever my travel time says... I'll just, I'll add on 30 minutes to it. So I'll plan on being 30 minutes early to whatever I'm doing. And I pretty much always use it up, whether it's to get gas or maybe stop at Starbucks on the way, like, you know, I've just like coined the term cushion room and I explain it to everybody that I'm hanging out with or whatever, because I mean, I feel like this is a classic thing with men. Like men are usually pretty bad with timing. And I had to teach my ex-boyfriend about cushion room and how we leave early for things in order to be on time. I don't know. It's definitely a type A quality to do this. I think my mom also does this type of thing. Yes. I just had to share. I've never shared. I don't think I've ever shared that tip before on the podcast, but if you're chronically late to things, try this tip and I promise you'll start to be on time for things.
1: You want to know what's really funny? One of the earlier lessons that I have like ingrained in my head from my parents, specifically my dad, our parents say like very specific things to us that just like are stuck in our head. The phrase that rem- reminds me the most of my dad when I was younger was if you can't be on time, be early. That's such a simple lesson in life that like really like if you're not someone who can be on
0: time to something and you know that it's just like show up earlier. There's No, there's no such thing as on time. There's another saying that's if you're not early, you're late, and it's so true. There's no such thing as on time. It's just funny, but it's it's so true. There's no worse
1: feeling than rushing. I got into a really bad habit of not forcing myself to be on time to something because I hated the feeling of being rushed. So I would just leisurely show up to everything when it was convenient for me. But obviously, that's doesn't always work in like a situations where time is necessary like when you have an appointment i do like this lesson it's cushion room i think that does it for our
0: 27 lessons thank you girls for listening we love you so much xoxo girls